Welcome to Holy Fools and the Soul of Craftwork. This is episode one in our podcast series. I am Dr. Jesse Joyner. And I'm Dr. Steve Gross. Uh, Jesse and I are both PhDs with a focus in education, and we've done research in craft and learning and embodied practice. And we're also both people of faith. So Steve, why a podcast devoted to the soul of craft work? Ah, great unpremeditated question. So my, our hope is that through the interviews we're going to do with people in diverse crafts and trades from beekeepers to songwriters to sword swallowers, that those interviews and a discussion of learning research and scripture through those things, we can consider together how an approach to work as a craft might serve to form our souls. But before we get too far into the how, why don't we do some quick background? So Jesse, who are you? I am a juggler, quite literally. I travel around the country performing juggling shows for schools, libraries, churches, and other community festivals. I am also the dean of the children's ministry program at Ascent College, which is a hybrid learning undergraduate institution school based in Virginia. Uh, as for my family, I am happily married to my wife, Sarah. We have three kids, which I like to say is the perfect number for juggling children, <laughs> that is. We live in Richmond, Virginia, and next month, my wife and I are celebrating 20 years of marriage. You do 150 shows a, a year, so you are a legitimate professional juggler. And the title for this podcast is Holy Fools and the Soul of Craftwork. That Holy Fools reference touches on both your vocation as a circus arts performer, but also your research interests. So talk about that a bit. For my research, I was interested in interviewing other variety performers, and those would be people like clowns, magicians, jugglers, sword swallowers, tightrope walkers, anybody who's in the the big tent, if you will, of circus arts. Over the past 20 years, there's been a large body of academic research produced around the concept of calling in one's work. So people who believe that their work is a calling tend to have a number of positive outcomes, such as satisfaction in their work, uh, their job performance. Um, I also found what are called dark sides to calling, though, because it's not all mm -hmm. uh, peaches and cream, something, something that even the precedent literature on calling confirms. The dark sides can be things like uh, being overworked by exploitative managers, you know, someone who claims to have a calling, their manager might pick up on that and uh, just keep paying them a low wage, knowing that mm. the person will keep happily working, uh, apparently, you know, as so they think. Steve, give us your background. <laughs> right on. So I also have three kids, but I don't juggle them. Two are in diapers. That'd be super duper messy. Um, I live in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is an interesting place. Um, has the world's largest hot springs and about five blocks from my house is where Doc Holliday, the gunfighter died. Also about seven blocks from my house is where serial killer Ted Bundy snuck out of jail. So it's a kind of an outlaw space, but um, I've been living here for about six years. And um, even before writing a dissertation of craft learning, I've always been fascinated on how people pursue craft mastery in various vocations. Um, I worked in a bunch of vocations myself, a minister, farm worker, EMT, janitor. And in those roles, I've met a lot of people that pursued their work, not just as a paycheck or a duty, but as a craft to grow in and to try to do to the glory of God. And that craftsman's approach to growing in the way of Christ, I think, and we think it might hold application to how we're spiritually formed. 
So maybe an example of the story of the way we met gives a little insight to that. So Jesse and I were in the same um, PhD program in Chicago, and we also actually stayed with the same advisor. And one night, Jesse had looked online, I think, and found a circus arts club in Chicago, which I had no clue about. And so I tagged along with you. We went to this circus, which is like in a gym somewhere in Chicago. And the people, I again, that's not my crew, but they're pretty alternative, I would say, like a few neck tattoos and doing trapeze stuff and juggling and different things in the in the circus realm. And Jesse, you came and you had, I think you might have even had some of your stuff, some of your equipment. Yeah. yeah. Your gear and you you started to juggle. And what I noticed that really honed your your craft as a juggler, not just not as a hobby or a way to make quick money, but as a calling that God had given you. And so you had intentionally kind of skillfully developed it as an extension of your calling as a person of faith. And I noticed that in that uh in that meeting, as you juggled, I mean, people were drawn to you. I do so, remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it exemplified the idea of communities of practice, which is something that is yeah. a part of our research. Yeah. It's the gathering of people around a shared type of work for the love of the work and who negotiate meaning of the work together and learn from one another. And mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very informal type of community of practice, the, the world of circus arts where people just love to get together around the shared practice of their art form and then grow and learn together. And that was, and you're right. It's a ragtag group of people. That's the kind of people that quote run away with the circus. So you have yeah, a lot, of, yeah. you have a lot of, I'm a weirdo. It's kind of a weirdo community. And I'm proud of that. That was kind of one of my first brushes with this idea that faith and work integration itself is a craft and how we pursue and, try to master our crafts can be worshipful and also be educative. So um, that was a great experience with somebody in their craft seeking to do it at a high level. So that's a bit about us, the holy fools, but what can a listener expect from this podcast? So let's set those expectations up front. Our goal is to drop an episode every other week. So if you subscribe to or follow our podcast, you will set be set to receive new episodes. Episodes will be streamlined to approximately 15 to 20 minutes. So that will mean no long off-topic tirades. Aha. Yes, example. So I there's a podcast I like to listen to. The people are knowledgeable. They're in their lane. Um, it's relevant, but they do spend about three to four minutes every episode at the beginning talking about the different pastries they they've eaten that week. So I fast forward through that. We'll try to keep you guys from that if you're a listener and we'd love for you to, to follow and subscribe. Um, some of the interviews that we do, again, really diverse crafts, but we're always focused on how does learning transfer take place for you? Because at present, there's there's some popular interest in craft learning that's robust. So there's a lot of documentaries on craft learning, like Craft in America from PBS or Craftsman's Legacy from Amazon or the repair shop from Netflix. And that's all good. And they showcase the principles of traditional craft learning and practice that will plumb out, but they don't usually pass from entertainment to personal application. So that might be a missing link. And we're hoping with this podcast to consider these interesting examples of craft work, but then unpack how what's shared might be transferred to boots on the ground application as we all seek to grow in our own craft of faith and work integration. 
For example, our next episode will include an interview with master beekeeper, Paul Knight, and it will explore what Paul has learned about following Christ by tending bees. So join us next time for episode two of The Holy Fools and the Soul of Craftwork. Till then, goodbye.